The Yankees do, in fact, salvage one in this four-game series in Boston. Outslug the Red Sox tonight in a 9-6 Yankee victory. You are now listening to Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankee podcast of Gotham Sports Network. Welcome back to another episode of Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankees podcast on the Gotham Sports Network. As always, you have Sam and Steve here for a MLB pre-deadline episode. Sam, how are you doing? Steve, I could be doing better. You know, work has been busy starting the new job, but the Yankees... It's been a bit of a roller coaster in the last week. Everybody's saying they've had a terrible road trip, yada, yada. Well, three and four definitely isn't hateful going on the road to two places like Minnesota, who's over 20 games, over 500, and going to the Red Sox up at Fenway, which is never an easy place for the Yankees to play. So three and four, I don't love it, obviously. I don't hate it, but the Yankees are still eight and a half games up. On the Tampa Bay Rays, nine up on the Red Sox, including 10 in the loss column. So going into the trade deadline, obviously the focus is on pitching, and we're going to be getting to that later in the show. But the Yankees still have a sizable lead in the division, and they managed to go three and four on the road trip. I don't hate it. I don't love it. Yeah, it is crazy when you think about it like that. They went three and four on a road trip, and it made, but during the week, it made it seem like the Yankees went 0 and 40. Because it seemed like everything they they played, you know, doubleheader every day. People they lose in every game. You'd think the Red Sox would be one games back. Yeah, three and four. And the Yankees played terrible in a lot of these games. Uh, but three and four isn't terrible on a road trip. It's terrible for the Yankees because you have one of the best records in baseball. But going into Minnesota and going into Boston, lots and lots of teams are happy with three and four. And I'm glad that we're not happy with that. But it could have been even worse. Um, but yeah, lots going on there. Let's stick in Minnesota to start it off before we get into the trade buzz. Um, as we hear it, we recorded Monday night. Nothing seems like it's happening tonight, um, but it could by the time we uh, we post on Tuesday. Tuesday seems to be the action. But going back to last weekend, uh, last week at Minnesota, I don't know what happened to Target Field, but that place is home run central. We know the Twins league the league in home runs here, and the Yankees and Twins put up maybe the most home runs in a series of all time. It seemed like 14, 12 epic game on Tuesday, uh, 10, seven game Wednesday. And then of course the Monday loss, just home runs everywhere. Weird series um, overall in Minnesota, but still somehow the Yankees took two of three from the twins. Yes, yeah, Steve, that was an absolute roller coaster, but the Yankees came away with two of three. The starting pitching, again, was the main disaster. focus in that, and it was just a total freaking disaster. I mean, Herman on Monday shelled, CC on Tuesday shelled, Hap on Wednesday after they get him a 9-3 lead, couldn't get out of the fourth inning, which was pretty pathetic. But like you said, Steve, Target Field is a pretty, pretty big park out there. I thought but so, at least, yeah. I thought so as well, but everything was flying out. Miguel Sano hit that one home run on Tuesday that I, I oh, think boy. is still going. I mean, my goodness, he hit it off of Zach Britton. But like you said, I mean, everything was of there during that series. It was like the Red Sox, the first three games against the Yankees. 
But every game of that twin series, both teams were doing what the Red Sox did the first three games of the Yankee series. If that makes any sense, I don't know if you're with me there. But, yeah. I mean, it was just offense galore. And really, I mean, that's what the MLB wants. And I maintain that I think the ball is juiced right now no, since different. last episode. Since last episode, there have already been more home runs in the 2019 MLB season than there was in all of the 2014 MLB season. Steve, we still have two months to play in this season, and that was only five years ago. It's not like I'm going back 50 or 100 years on that statistic. That's only five seasons ago. So that is pretty alarming to me, very alarming, actually. And like you said, everything was flying out of there. I mean, just total chaos. And it just goes back to the Twins, you know, not being able to beat the Yankees. They are 37 and 99 since the start (laughs) of the 2003 season, including playoffs. And even on Monday, they had a – they led by several runs. They did not – excuse me. It it took them until the last inning to hold the Yankees off. They were up 8-2 on Tuesday – and they blew that lead several times. And then you look at a Wednesday and the Yankees just outslug them. Thankfully, the Yankees were able to hold them off with a bullpen after Hap stunk up the joint. But like you said, just a wild, wild series. Yeah, overall, I mean, that game on Tuesday that went 10 innings, the Aaron Hicks game pretty much, you know, the Yankees scored in the, just in the, the 8th, ninth, and 10th, they scored nine runs. Um, so it, it was pretty crazy. And then I, we always make fun of the Twins – because of that record you just stated. And then it made the icing even better on the cake for Aaron Hicks here, who in the ninth inning comes up with a huge, huge home run to give the Yankees the lead after that snow bomb. So that gives the Yankees give it up in the eighth. Aaron Hicks gets it back in the ninth. Chapman How gives about it back the up. Sock man, the sock man down one, two in Great that at previous bat. at bat. You know, he laid off two sliders and a fastball and that, Gave the Yankees an opportunity with Hicks at the plate, who Jack went out to left field. Ab- absolutely right. I mean, it was just crazy. If you look at like the the ESPN win probability, that shit was like freaking like a heartbeat going up and down, up and down the whole time. Um, and then the Yankees cap it off in the tenth with Hicks with the catch of the year, and the, that was the game of the year for MLB. Like you said, that's exactly kind of what they've been hoping for here with these new balls. Fourteen to twelve, Yankees ten. Uh, 10 innings and a diving catch to end the game. Absolutely perfect for baseball. Um, it was the fastest Hick, Hicks has run on a fly ball this year, and he needed every every single miles per hour there. He was almost at 27 miles per hour running to that ball. Um, and it just kind of showed, you know, we both have been Hicks uh, supporters and fans. He got the new contract and then got hurt. But that was that was the Aaron Hicks game right there of the season. That was, you know, this is why Cashman gave him that seven-year deal here had the huge home run and then the huge grab in center field shows kind of the the five tools that the, that the Twins hoped that he had when they drafted him way back when before he became a Yankee. You're right. And over the last month, Hicks is at 268, getting on base over 35% of the time, slugging 536 as well. That batting average, 268 over the last month, a little higher than what, what we're normally accustomed to with Hicks. Normally in the 240-250 range, and I really have no problem with that given how much he gets on base and the defense he plays in center field, especially with the pop he has. 
especially from a premium position. He's got eight home runs in the last month. Like I said before the season, especially when he went down in spring training, I'll take 120 games of Aaron Hicks, excuse me, over 150 games of the majority of center fielders in baseball because that guy is that good when he plays. And we saw him all over the lineup the last week. First, third, fourth. I mean, he hits all over the lineup. He can start the game off with a home run. Right when that order goes around again, whether it be Gardner or Talkman, uh, the eight or nine spots, one of them is going to be at the nine spot. It goes right back up to him. And you, you, when he hit the home run on Tuesday, that was the case. Really, he is a jack of all trades for the Yankees in terms of where he hits in the lineup. And he plays premium defense at a premium position. And that's what I love so much about him. Yeah, and he came back from the injury, and he came back. He started slow. He started really slow. He came slow at the gate. Um, maybe it was kind of the lingering effects of, of being hurt and missing that time here. You know, it was batting 217 through June. And then, like you said, in July, really turned it up to 286. And the on-base percentage is the key here. And then the, the OPS has jumped up. I mean, this month he's at an OPS of, of 959. And that's kind of, you know... That's not that's, that's higher than his, his career by, by you know his career numbers here, but that's kind of the Aaron Hicks that the Yankees have been hoping for here, as he is in the prime of his career. So I think that that August you know August expect those numbers to kind of continue as he's fully fleshed in and fully recovered from the injury as the Yankees uh, need it. Um, one other guy before we get into mostly a pitching episode here is uh, is Didi Gregorius. He put on a monster show. He went you know got on base five times, seven RBIs in one game. You know, joining you know legendary Yanks of like with the likes of Lou Gehrig here. Um, Didi Gregorius is, is putting on a show, and just like Kicks, is starting to find that rhythm coming back from that early injury, uh, injury which happened you know last year. Steve, really, the similarities between Gregorius and Hicks is that both of them really didn't have a spring training. Gregorius had zero spring training at all with rehabbing from the Tommy John surgery. And Hicks was hurt in, in the very early portions of spring training. Hicks went down in February, I believe, a, a week after they Just after he signed him, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, we're talking days after he signed that seven-year contract with the Yankees. And Didi in his last seven games, I mean, these are video game numbers right here. 423 batting average. He's 11 for 26, getting on base – Almost 45% of the time in slugging 885. He's got two home runs, 13 RBIs. Has only struck out three times in those 26 at bats. He's really, really starting to turn the corner. And he is that left handed bat that often hits in the middle of the lineup that the Yankees need so, so desperately. And he brings everything. He also brings the great defense out, out at shortstop. We want to go to the last 15 games, 293, slugging almost 57%. I mean, really, he has come on a lot as of late, and the Yankees are going to need him down the stretch. Now, I know all the focus right now is about the Yankees and the moves the front office will make is about starting pitching. But what I want to see before the end of the summer is an extension for Sir Didi. He's 29 years old. He's going to be 30 by the start of next season. We've seen guys play well into their mid-30s. 
especially with that left-handed bat and that short porch and right field at Yankee Stadium, I could see him having several more good years here. And he's not going to break the bank a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking 90 million over four or five years. But before the end of the summer, Steve, I want to see an extension for Sir JD. Yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned it. I saw it on Twitter too. Um, with the, the the shorter trade window here, with the non, um, you know, with only the July thirty first deadline, Cashman is kind of going to be free in in August, and that's something that he hasn't been free in his ever his his entire career as a GM. So that that does give him some time to do something exactly like this: is to kind of work with Didi's agent, see what they can come up with, and come up with a, a good number for them both. Um, both of us have written about it in the past. I thought they could have extended him, you know, almost two years ago and try and get him for a cheap discount. I don't think that's going to happen anymore. Um, he has, you know, like I said, he's getting to 30. Shortstops, when they reach 30, decline big time. But Didi did have a kind of a later start to his career and, uh, you know, his prime might be extended a few years. So a four to five year deal would be ideal for the Yankees. But it's going to be interesting because I don't, I don't know what, what his, him and his agent are thinking. I think he loves New York and I would like to think he takes a New York discount. But if he goes on that market, that could be a, a massive contract and some team might be willing to overpay something that Cashman is willing to because one of the big areas of strengths of the Yankees and their farm system is kind of up the middle here. You know, it, it's not, you know, we saw that with Didi going down this season. You know, they have, Yankees do have options. You know, it's, it's not unrealistic to think that Gleyber Torres is the full-time shortstop or, you know, DJ LeMay is a full-time second baseman. Uh, Estrada can play second and, and short as well, so there are options here, and I, I'm interested to see kind of the the hardball if there if Cashman plays hardball. I hope he doesn't here, and like you said, if we can get you know by the end of August get Didi locked up for for four to five years and under a hundred million dollars. I think that the Yankees got to do that because he is he's he's a catalyst for the team. I mean, he was the first guy to hit first lefty to hit a home run off of Chris Sale in, in two years. Um, this is a guy that, that couldn't hit lefties when he first came over. Um, from the from the Diamondbacks here, you know, hitting 280 this year is, is above his career average. It seems like every year with the Yankees, it gets better and better. So it's, it's worth the risk, even though for a shortstop, he uh, he's getting a little older. And maybe you know, maybe another scenario is he's only a shortstop for two to three more years, and the Yankees with kind of kind of flip him there to second or third if they need to. He's got the skills for it, uh, but I, I think I agree with you that his uh, his glove and bat should be fine for a five year deal. Yeah, I think a five-year deal is more than appropriate for both sides. If it gets to six years, or, or dare I say seven, I think Brian Cashman would let him walk out the door if him and his agent make those intentions known sometime during this summer. Or maybe they already have, and we don't know. But a four- or five-year deal, even a little bit over $100 million, I would absolutely not have a problem with. And I want to see an extension done sooner rather than later. And just to see the progression this guy has made since he's gotten to the Yankees, you see in 2015, he really came on at the end of the year, but he was really just a singles hitter. Uh, in 2015, he only slugged three. That jumped all the way to 447 in 2016, all the way to 478 in, 2007, uh, in 2017. Yes, uh, and he hit 25 home runs while he missed a month of the season and then hit 27 home runs last year. So this guy's a legit power threat, and if we get a full season of him in the next two years, we could be talking about 30 home runs 
and combine that with the glove you get a shortstop. I mean, there's not many guys in the MLB who give you that production, both with the glove and the bat at that position. Yeah, so let's focus on that. I mean, I could definitely see that being as a something that comes up here. I think Cashman's got a bigger 40 hours to worry about before he jumps over to DD. Um, and Cashman's next 48 hours, Sam, are, are flat out about pitching because the Red Sox did work to the Yankees this weekend. It was not a pretty sight. You know, Yan- you know thank God Herman got, um, got past the fifth inning. It was the first Yankee to do so since, you know, 10 days ago here. The Yankees, in a one week, gave up 52 runs in 26 innings from their starters. Like, that is ridiculous. 52 runs in 26 innings, and it was everybody. Tanaka got absolutely plastered in the first inning again. Uh, Paxton got hit. Hap's been getting hit all the time. Uh, You mentioned CeCe there. I mean, the Yankees, the rotation is an issue. Right now, currently, they have the 19th best ERA for starting pitchers at a 477 ERA. I wonder how much that went down in the last week. They, yeah, no, they, they were around. They were over four, but it was it was the low. It was the lower fours. It was around four fifteen to four twenty five, if I'm not mistaken. Here and now, we're back to four seventy seven. No starter has an ERA under four. The Yankees have some serious issues, and then on top of that, CC went on the DL with 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 your favorite, the, the Sammy special knee inflammation, kind of get that knee drained and go go out for it here. Um, What's going on with the Yankees? What are we going to do here from a starting pitching staff? Like these guys, while the Yankees might make moves, the majority of these guys are going to be pitching big time innings for the Yankees and they need to figure it out strong because Herman was the only guy to do this. Picking up his 13th win on Sunday, he looked great, he looked strong, but he still only went five and a third innings. We got to get some depth out of these guys and it's got to happen now. And I'm thinking that the guy who had the best Yankee start in the last week Granted, five and a third innings, three earned is not great. But like I said, the guy who had the best Yankee start in the last week is going to be on an innings count this year. We've gone over that many, many times here on the podcast. And really, the only guy I'm trusting right now in a playoff series that's in the rotation is Tanaka. Now, I know he's in a rough couple of starts. The Rocky was cruising against the Rockies and then let up a five spot in the yeah. fifth uh, inning. I mean, up, that up, happened. Up 9-1. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then he goes to the Red Sox on Thursday, you yeah, know, starting good. off a huge series, a chance to bury the Red Sox and put them away. And he gives up seven runs in the first inning. I mean, taking your game, talk about taking your team right out of the game right then and there. And then the Yankees were so short on pitching from the disaster, the pitching disaster that was the Minnesota series that he had to stay in into the fourth inning. He gave up 12 freaking runs. I mean, come on now. This guy got absolutely lit up. You look at his last two starts against Boston. He's let up 18 earned runs in just under in under four innings. I mean, or excuse me, just under five innings. That is just hard to do. And the Yankees are going to need their ace, who is Tanaka right now. I'll still call him the ace. Yep, yep. The postseason. And he had a bad couple months in 2017. He opened the season. The ERA was near six. And then he threw that complete game on that Friday night against the Rangers. He threw a complete game, let up one run. And then after that, his ERA was around three and a half. And then we all remember the 2017 postseason when they were down 2-0 against the Indians at home, coming home for game three after the Girardi botch challenge. 
seven shutout innings against the Indians. And then coming back with the ALCS tied 2-2 against the Astros, again, seven shutout innings, shutting down Altuve, Correa, Springer. We all remember that postseason Tanaka. And then even last year in Boston, he had the best Yankees start of that series. He only went five innings. That was Boone being a little bit more cautious when the Yankees had the lead. But I trust Tanaka to show up in the postseason, but I'm really concerned about Pax. And they're saying on all the broadcasts that he can't land where he wants to on that fastball after the knee injury. He's been so His ERA in the first inning is over 11 right now. That's been an issue all season. And then it's under three in the remaining innings. I mean, I don't know what we're doing here. I think James Paxson has been a mental midget for the Yankees. It's like Sonny Paxton almost right now. Oh, that's harsh. That's harsh. He's been okay. He's been way better. <laughs> I I understand, but again, it's just been so up and down. I mean, Gray even had starts where he looked so so good with the Yankees, yeah. and Paxton has those starts now, and then he has starts where he gives up two homers in the first inning. You just can't have that. I mean, imagine the the Yankees in Game 2 of the ALCS if it's Paxton and Verlander, and Paxton gives up three runs in the first inning. Against Verlander, that might be the freaking game. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's 100% true here. It was when they have those big games here. Uh, Paxton also has been on a little bit of, of the bad luck, a little bit Sonny Gray-esque here of the Yankees not scoring for him. You know, he, you know in, in July, he's had... He's had five starts in July, and it's been uh, they lost four two two one five four eight four and ten five. But still, you know those those three games here he had to start July versus the Mets and then two versus Tampa. You know he gave up you know one and run, two and runs, two and runs. So he's had some decent games, and he has absolute stinkers like he had versus Boston, like he had versus uh, the Rockies his past two games here. So I'm not giving him passes here. He needs to get up there. He needs to get out there and, and perform better. Um, it, ha- it does feel like it's, it's it's easy to tell if he's going to be good or bad from the start. The first inning home runs are, are a massive. Uh, I don't even know how to describe what they are, but it, it is hilarious. It's literally guaranteed to give up a solo home run in the first inning. Um, but if he gets past that first inning, even with just one run, he, tend- he tends to sometimes to settle down and pitch a good game. So if he gets past that, I, I still think Paxton can have a big impact for this team. Um, it has not been the results that we've been looking for this year. But there has been flashes of like, oh yeah, this is this guy can actually throw and, and can get in there. Um, it's just gonna be whether or not he's gonna show up or not. If you know, if he could turn the corner like Tanaka does in the playoffs, it's a whole different story. Um, and then you mentioned Hap. Hap, I think, is the other way around. I mean, Hap's got an over five ERA. He doesn't look comfortable on the mound at all. If the Yankees make a move here for pitching, Hap's got to be the short guy on on the rotation here. I mean, CC's out for the moment here, but once if the Yankees are fully healthy. And the rotation is stacked with you know one or possibly two new guys. It's got to be Jay Happ that's going to the long men, put you in the bullpen, and you're not going to be on a playoff roster at this point, right? Yeah, that's what I think as well. That Happ Happ would be that long guy going to the bullpen, um, and, and then if you saw Luis Severino sometime this year, then another guy would have to go to the bullpen. But I think the Yankees. Depending on how many starting pitchers they add, I think they may add two. They've added two in the last two seasons. But like we said, Domingo Herman's innings are going to be limited. And if that's the case, then 
I think the Yankees are going to start limiting him pretty soon because with Jordan Montgomery back in 2017, you saw his innings start to get cut uh, around the middle of August, and then they had a few starters injuries, and he ended up having to make another start. I mean, we'll see what they do, but it's going to be interesting when to see when they start to see. It's going to be interesting to see when they start to limit the innings of Domingo Herman. But for now, uh, while Herman is still under his innings count, we don't know the exact. Um, He's at 97 now. When he's, he's at 97 now. Not we topping don't know. 130, 125. He's got to be around that mark. So he's got he's got 30 more innings in him. What's what's that? Yeah. Five more starts at you know five innings each, 25. You know, maybe you steal an inning here and there, but he's not going more than five innings in most starts. So it, you know you're not going to see him in the sixth, seventh inning at all. And if the Yankees had two starters, could we see Hap go to the bullpen and then? Herman also go to the bullpen, and then when CC comes back, you know someone else gets kicks from uh, kicked from the rotation. So I'm I'm not quite sure what they're gonna do, but Hap he's got to be heading for the bullpen as soon as they get a starter on Wednesday. If they acquire a starter either on Wednesday or before, then I'd be shocked if they didn't make a move. I know they don't like the prices right now, but for now, say. Robbie Ray switches clubhouses uh, on Tuesday or Wednesday. I would kick Hap from the rotation and then say they get a guy like Tanner Rourke, a guy who's 32 years old, uh, no years of team control remaining after this season, not the most flashiest pitcher in the game, but he'll give you innings. Uh, Maybe he boots Herman for for now, and then when when, when CeCe comes back, they reevaluate his role. But it'll be interesting to see what happens from now to Wednesday and what kind of moves the Yankees will make with the 25 and even 40-man roster. Yeah, yeah. Let's get let's get into who's available, who's not available, and what kind of moves we're going to have here. The first and biggest one is, you know, your guy that you thought the Yankees should have when we mentioned, you know, the one guy to get last week was uh, Marcus Stroman. Marcus Stroman's coming to New York. He's just going to the wrong, the wrong borough here. Traded to the Mets. Uh, we don't need to get into what the hell we think the Mets are doing or not doing or whatever, but it's a big it's a big knock for for the Yankees that Stroman is off the market here. Um, their their ask was 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 Garcia, um, and that just wasn't happening for Brian Cashman. The 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 ask around the league was it looked like that Toronto wanted a lot more from contenders than they got from kind of non contenders like the Mets, and and they took the Mets package. We'll never know what the other real deals are, but but Stroman's gone. That was the guy that you had as top of your list here too, but it's he kinda, checked all the boxes. He checked every single box. Oh, he did, and it, even with his, you know, his his kind of responses here of going to the Mets. You know, he's coming home. He's tweeting out some some good shit of him. You know, wearing Mets stuff growing up and being at you know Johan Santana's game here. Like he would have been an absolute gamer for the Yankees here, and Cashman was not willing to overpay. And, and I don't hate it. I mean, the price tag goes through the roof. I mean, they originally asked for for Glaber Torres, and they're like, all right, never mind. You're not taking us seriously. Then if it comes down to Garcia, and the Yankees have been pretty clear that he's unmovable um, unless it's for a, a you know a, a Syndergaard type thing, but I don't think that's going to happen either. But Stroman's off the board here. Yankees have to move on. I think that takes us to the guy that I said, which is Trevor Bauer, but he had a interesting weekend on and off the field uh, with the Cliff Cleveland. Yeah, first off, we, we and I hate to get into what the Mets are doing, but 
he he had, he had the whole he was posting out on social media over the last day. Oh, I'm heading home to New York. Yada yada. Can't wait. And then yesterday that there was a report that there was commotion outside of the Toronto yeah. locker room, in the Toronto locker room. And then Mike Puma, the New York Post, comes out today and says that the commotion was coming from him because he wanted to be traded to a contender. And instead, he's going to the Mets. Yeah, I don't know if I believe all that crap, though. I mean, that's just like, that's just new age Twitter talk. Um, but yeah, who knows? It could be true. His dad did come out and say, you know, he did hope it was the Yankees, but they're very happy it's the Mets. So, so who really knows what's going on with, with that? Yeah, but uh, like I said, I wanted Stroman. He checked all the boxes. You, you look at what he did against the AL East, his postseason performances, and uh, you know, just pitching onto the spotlight. I mean, he's a guy who does sure does not run from that. But I'd still take Trevor Bauer. I know Mike Francesa. I mean, who really gives oh, a I, shit? I want him now even more. I need a Francesa Bauer fight. And at, I was, at bar A, at bar A, a live fight, Francesa versus Bauer. <laughs> I, I want to be there. And Sam, we're going to be front row. <laughs> at bar A, yeah. <laughs> um, you look at. I was seeing on Twitter, somebody said it yesterday, and I don't know who said this, but somebody said, you need to be a psychopath to pitch in New York, and Bauer's a psychopath. That, and, that, what a great like thing. Like Everyone's bashing people who don't have New York mentality, and then they're bashing Bauer for being too much of a New Yorker, pretty much. It's, it's, it's such a weird, like, you know, pick, pick your, what do you want? <laughs> and I saw in 2017, in game one of the ALDS with this guy's 12-6 curveball did in game one of the Yankees. I mean, they could not hit him to save their lives. And I would love him a lot in New York. And Indians outfielders are hitting under around the 220 mark as a team this year, their outfield. A package involving Clint Frazier for a team that's in a playoff spot right now who is going to have Kluber coming back, is going to have Carrasco coming back, and who has an all-star in Shane Bieber. They have enough starters for the postseason. A package involving Clint Frazier and maybe, you know, Dairo Estrada here makes way, way too much sense. It it does. The only concern I have here is him going back to Cleveland and Clint. Um, you know, would they would they want him back? I know it's kind of like you know who it was a couple of years ago, uh, but they they did give him up. Uh, they already kind of you know gave up on Clint, as you would say. I, I don't know if they want to take him back, uh, especially with some of the um, kind of the antics that that you know I don't care about, but that that people do care about with, with Clint. But I, I agree with you. I mean, like. They, they're uh, red, the Reds, sorry. The, uh, the Indians are in that kind of weird buy-sell mode. I don't know what they want to do here, but why don't you do a deal like that? You know, they're, they're going to ask for Garcia again, and the Yankees are going to say no. Um, but if they do get overpay with, a, you know, an Estrada Frazier-led package and maybe a couple, um, you know, low A-ball arms the Yankees are stacked in with those righty pitchers, and then take one of those righty pitchers, the, the, you know, kind of the low-end guys that they, they give to the Yankees give up, and why don't you flip him for Tanner Rourke, and then you kind of fill that rotation spot for Cleveland there. So you're kind of selling Bauer, but then buying another pitcher to fill that spot while improving your outfield kind of seems like a move that I can see Cleveland doing. But at the same time, you know, I don't know if they're gonna I don't know if they're gonna bite on, on Frazier being the headliner of that deal, given their their kind of history with him. Um and then, yeah, then you know, Clint Frazier's Clint Frazier. He, he got people riled up again this evening 
but just uh, just kind of fucking with everybody, tweeting out some random letters, and every assumed like, oh, there was like a, a trade eminent coming, but of course it was just that the the rail riders hit a walk off home run, and he was showing excitement for his team while kind of semi trolling us. So that was I'm still on Team Clint here, and I still kind of want Clint to end up being on the Yankees long term. But it is kind of funny to see. I tweeted out earlier today that you know, people are up in arms about Clint Frazier changing his headline to Scranton Rail Riders instead of the New York Yankees, even though it's been over a month since he's been with the Yankees. And at the same time, back to kind of the Mets talk and kind of turn this into some Syndergaard talk, Syndergaard's been changing his headline of like, oh, New York Met for now, oh, tweeting about all these trade stuff. And everybody thinks it's hilarious and everybody around baseball loves it. But when Clint does it, he's an immature baby who can't take you know, the pressure or whatever you want. But then when Thor does it, I get that, you know, one's an all-star and possible Cy Young candidate and one's kind of in the minors. But the the hypocrisy between the two, I, I find is uh, is funny, especially between Yankee fans that hate Clint but then are dying for, for Thor. It's kind of like Mets fans who always trashed A-Rod. And then they had Bartolo Colon on their team who went missing for a year, took steroids and came back an all-star. And they're like, oh, big sexy, big sexy. Dude, I, I give credit for the Mets fans. They have more fun doing it. I'm like, why can't the Yankee, why can't, us Yankee fans, I think we do it fine, but why can't us Yankee fans be like, have more fun with Clint Frazier here? Clint Frazier is dying to be like the go-to guy for fans, the young kid here, kind of like Syndergaard is doing with the Mets. And Mets fans, the Syndergaard's having a bad year compared to what he should be having. And people aren't that upset about it. Where Clint's played great when he's up in the minors and they're like, oh, stop being a baby, Clint. Stop taking the Yankees out of your thing. Stop deleting photos here. But then at the same time, it's like they're, I don't know. It's like a weird dynamic here where I'm kind of upset with our fan base here. It's like, just chill the fuck out and have fun, which it seems like the Mets, the Mets are like all over the fucking place with what they're doing with their team and their roster. Um, but they're like also still having fun with it while the Yankees are in first place and like refuse to have an ounce of fun. So I think it's a weird fan base kind of differentiator here that that just confuses me at this point. It's a little off tangent rant, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it confuses me too. And uh, I like when Clint has the fun. Uh, Same, I love this great. bio. I love this bio change this weekend of the Scranton Rail Riders. You know, the deleting photos is a bit sketchy. But he but did that like – it's not the first time he's done that. He's done it like – he does it like once a year. Yeah, yeah. It's, so, that's who Clint is. He's a weirdo. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I would love to see him up here. But unfortunately, the Yankees acquired Edwin Encarnacion. <laughs> not, not – excuse me. Not unfortunately. But for his sake, I mean – they acquired Encarnacion, who's one of the most prolific home run hitters in this generation and who happens to be on absolute fire since uh, they came out of the break. He's And I'll, I'll just take a moment to talk about him here. He's hit 30 home runs uh, for the eighth straight Crazy. season. Eight years. He might get 500 home runs. It's it's insane. Uh, in his uh, last 15 games, he's hitting 290 with five homers, 14 RBIs, slugging over 60%. We talked about him uh, on the episode right before the break that, that he needed to turn it around. And, oh, boy, has he ever. I mean, and, and it's a joy to see. He's one of my favorite baseball players of, of my generation, uh, our generation. He's really just so I love the parrot. I mean, the step, how those missiles go out in Yankee Stadium so quickly. And he's one of three players to hit 30 home runs for eight straight season. Uh, it, Babe Ruth, Edwin Encarnacion, 
and I forget. I forget the. Uh, uh, it's. I think it was Mark Bonds. Bonds. Oh, Bonds. Bonds. Ruth, and Encarnacion. Only three to hit thirty for eight straight years. That is absolutely remarkable. Yeah, uh, a great, great early pickup for the Yankees. Like, imagine he was like the price for him if he was still on Seattle right now would be he'd be easily the top guy for people that need a bat. So the Yankees got him in a nice buy low um, option there for um, for for uh, for Edwin here, and he's been and he's been great. He's great there. But like you said, then it leads into that, and then it goes into the the roster crunch here of you know Mike Talkman came up and has been playing great since the London series. He's playing great all around. He's mentioned that great at bat he's had. Um, in Minnesota here, but he's been playing great defense. He got a couple outfield assists, um, and now Cameron Maben's back. I mean, yeah, we lost Gardner to the to the IL, but it, it, timing worked out perfect. Where Cameron Maben came back and kind of fit right back into where he's been. Had a couple big hits um, in the Boston series, so you know, there's no room for Clint. And you know, you know, there's you know, with Maben is out of options, obviously because he's been around for fucking forever. And uh, Talkman's playing well, so there's no point of having three bench players who are outfielders. It makes great trade bait for the Yankees, but also there's you could just sit and wait. And Cashman talked to Frazier, and he, Frazier said it was one of the best talks he's ever had in his life a couple weeks ago. Maybe he's you know he's back on board. He's tweeting you know happy things about Scranton walk off home runs here where he hasn't been tweeting for a couple months. So maybe he's okay with just kind of chilling, um, and then coming into the 2020 with a with a new outlook. But we'll, we'll see if he gets traded or if he doesn't get traded. Um, as we were kind of going through here, Mark Feinstein tweeted out that he expects Syndergaard and Bauer both to be traded by Wednesday and said the leaders for Bauer amongst other GMs are the Yankees and the Astros. We could be having ourselves another Verlander situation here too, where whoever gets um, Bauer between the Yankees and Astros is going to have a huge advantage over the other ones in the playoffs here. And it's going to be another thing if, if, if Cashman's willing to overpay. He was unwilling to take on the Verlander money back in the day, and it may have cost him a title. Um, we'll see if he does that for Bauer. Uh, I think there's other smaller moves to be made. You've already kind of mentioned Tanner Rourke. We mentioned Robbie Ray. What about the option of the Yankees going for bullpen help? If the prices for starting pitchers are, are way too high, do they make a move for for Shane Green? Do they try and go and get um, you know Ken Giles from, from the Blue Jays here? Do they stick with... Um, you know, Edwin Diaz is, I don't think the Mets will trade him too, but another guy on the market here. Could the Yankees then just look for a, a massive bullpen? They already have a stacked bullpen with, you know, hopefully Batanzas coming back, possibly Severino going to the bullpen. Could the Yankees just try and build a bullpen where the starters only need to go three to four innings? And I think that's an option that Cashman will take if prices don't come down. I see, I can't, I can't get behind that. As much as I want to, you look at the ALDS last year and the whole thing now is that starting pitching doesn't matter. It's a bullpen game, yada, yada. The Yankees only had one starter go five innings in the ALDS last year against the Red Sox. That was the only game they won. Yeah, that's a good point. I I can't get behind. We've gone this stack bullpen route before. I advocated for it getting Britain last year. That was a good move. They ended up getting Happ and Lance Lynn as well. But I, I can't get behind this. If they got a package of say, Matthew Boyd and Shane Green, or, you know, this this is never going to happen. Noah Syndergaard and Edwin Diaz. I mean, the the latter is not going to happen. Yeah, yeah there, like, we, you get the idea. It'd be a, yeah, a two-for-one, yeah. kind of what they were maybe hoping for, a, a Giles Stroman type thing. Or um, Bumpgarner could... and Will Smith. 
but I, yeah. I it doesn't seem it like could the be, could be uh, Robbie Ray and uh, Bradley from Arizona. Those are still both valuable viable options. Yeah, I would I would like to see one of those two for you know get a starter and a reliever in the same deal. Diamondbacks are in town starting on Tuesday, but like I said, I'm all for the Yankees adding another reliever too because you, you want to keep these guys' appearances down. You want them fresh for October. So I do think they are going to add a reliever as well. So we'll see. But if they get one of those Matthew Boyd, Shane Green, Bradley, and Ray, God knows Bumgarner and Will Smith, if the Giants have a change of heart here. The the Giants have won like 100 hours. past 100 games. So it's, I, don't know. I have no idea what's in the water over there in, in San Fran, but they're hitting a walk-off every day. Yeah, I mean, Pablo Sandoval sitting clutch home runs left and <laughs> right, too. He, he had a walk-off last week against the Cubs, and then he hit a home run in the 11th inning to go ahead uh, on the Padres at Petco Park this past weekend. But who knows? I would like to see one of those combo deals, though, Steve. Yeah, so I'm going to take that and then mix, mix and match and do Shane Green and Robbie Ray just for the sole purpose of the D.D. Gregorius trade was, was uh, Green going to the Yankees to Detroit. Robbie Ray going from Detroit to Arizona, and then DD coming over to the Yankees. So let's get all three of them on the same squad now. After they all three of them got traded for what we consider an epic deal for the Yankees, and but it's also a legit possibility. Yeah, I, I saw your tweet about that <laughs> just uh, yesterday. That would be pretty pretty wild. Um, but like you said, it's a legitimate possibility if the Yankees go after Ray and then. They get Shane Green in another trade. And like I said, I think they're going to add a reliever. But if Brian Cashman were to not add a starter, if 4 p.m. passes Wednesday and they don't get a starter, what do you think the react? I mean, it's going to be anarchy on Yankees Twitter. Oh, I'm, I'm going to – so I, have, <laughs> I haven't even told you yet, but I have meetings all day Wednesday. And I, like, can't get out of them. So if the Yankees don't make a move on Tuesday – I'm going to be like completely out of the loop for most of Wednesday. And if they don't make a trade, I'm going to be so happy because Twitter might just explode. <laughs> I don't want to be on, I don't want to be near my phone or a computer. If the Yankees don't make a move on Wednesday, I hope it happens on Tuesday. It seems like a lot of the discussions kind of leading up to it. A lot of people have been saying that, you know, Monday was the big feeling out day and Tuesday should be the big movement day. And then Wednesday would be panic moves. So uh, I'm hoping the Yankees have a deal on Tuesday, so there are, there are no panic moves Wednesday, and also just so I don't have just don't miss all the deadline talk. <laughs> but it's yeah, gonna be, Yankee Twitter is going to be an absolute cesspool if we don't get the right moves, or if we get one move and it's you know uh, you know a Tanner Rourke or like God forbid like a Drew Pomeranz or or something to a small nature here, um, it's going to be crazy. I mean, Cashman knows he has to make a move, though. I mean, he knows that. Yeah, no, I think he does. And, he, and he's publicly said it. For the past, like, two months, he's been saying, I'm trying to improve it. But he's not going to throw away, you know, years and years of prospects in a move here because, you know, he's not going to get strong-armed by, by shitty teams. It's never been his move. It's never been his motive. He's not going to change it now. Um, and I know that's going to piss people off because they want him to change it. You know, got to go get this win here. But it's tough to blow up your whole farm system when you have a 10-game lead. Like I understand you're planning for October and the regular season means nothing if you lose. But at the same time here, like the Yankees do have a, a very good bullpen. They do have kind of a somewhat pedigree of a Tanaka could pitch well in there. And, and the pitching has been bad all around. 
I mean, the Astros have by far the best rotation here, but numbers have been through the roof here. As we kind of look at these ERA numbers and they're in you know, the, the high fours, you know, uh, low fives here for teams, like it, it's been pretty crazy. Like I saw somewhere like the, the average uh, ERA in the ninth innings is like at an all time high. So it's just across the board in baseball, pitching has been a problem, whether it's the, these balls and which it probably is, but all around. So we kind of got to take a step back from the numbers here and just kind of see what happens. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards, you know, it's almost, you know, midnight here going into Tuesday that the Yankees don't make a move. I would love to see Bauer been pushing that for a while, but if Bauer and Ray aren't obtainable, I, I, I could see nothing happening. Yeah, I could possibly see nothing happening as well, especially with the Giants mindset on how they probably aren't going to sell the asking price for Boyd. I was Steve, uh, you and I both live in the Philadelphia market. I was watching the Phillies Tigers game last week and the, the Phillies insider came on TV and said, look, the Tigers asking price for Boyd. Uh, Corey Seidman is the name of the Phillies insider. And he was saying that they want two major league ready players and they want two prospects that are nearly ready for the major leagues. So they're not getting it. Uh, unless <laughs> the Yankees are giving, uh, if the Tigers don't budge off that price, unless they're giving Davy Garcia, Clint Frazier, Miguel Andujar, and Tyro Estrada, as well as one of the other Garms, maybe Gill. I don't really see that happening, but. Again, maybe it's just the uh, decoy to drive these prices up. I know – So I saw a report last night, forget from who, that the Yankees – or excuse me, that opposing teams are going to the Yankees and knowing that they need starting pitching help so bad are immediately asking for Glaber Torres. I mean, imagine – Imagine asking for Glaber Torres uh, on these guys that have a year of team control left after this year. Imagine Matthew Boyd, his first good season at age 28 and his ERA is still over four. Imagine for Boyd, I mean, asking for Glaber Torres, a guy who's 22 and has been his all-star, been an all-star the last two seasons. But that that's where the Yankees are at right now. These teams know the Yankees are probably desperate for pitching and – they're just trying to get as much as they can on their end. Yeah, you can't ask the teams for hurting, but then you also got to tell the team that you can't be, you can't, if you can't yell at the teams for asking these absurd prices, you can't yell at the Yankees for telling them to go fuck off. Like, you're not getting Glaber Torres from Matthew Boyd. Like, it's, it's obvious. Um, I, I kind of, you did mention a, a Torres, I'm not Torres, a, a Clint Andujar deal for Boyd, and that's something I'm getting, I would do. Um, I just don't think Andujar fits with the Tigers at all. They kind of have, you know, their third baseman can't hit for shit, but he's a good defensive guy. And then they have, you know, Miguel uh, Cabrera is still under contract for like another decade, um, even though he's get, he's approaching 40. So he just doesn't kind of fit their, their mold of their team here, which I, I wish he did better because that's a package I'm starting to build around and could be happy with for Matthew Boyd, um, considering his three years left. But yeah, like the Tigers are asking for like Max Scherzer level of, uh, of a package to, to get them. And he, they're just not going to do it. And I think they're full of shit when they're saying they actually would trade him. So a lot's going to happen in the next 48 hours. I mean, to be honest, by the time we post this, there could be a, a ton of trades overnight and it, it would make it all irrelevant here. But I think we're going to have Tuesday night is going to be the night where we're going to see all these big moves happen here. I think I think either Syndergaard or Diaz from the Mets gets moved and that's the biggest move that's going to happen before the deadline here. I have no idea where they're going to go, 
But what would you say the biggest move you think is is going to happen before the deadline, and to to what team would you guess it's to? Noah Syndergaard to the Houston Astros, and I know the Astros say they're not going to trade Kyle Tucker, but Brody would, is going to get be... Kyle Tucker from the Houston Astros, and I'm I'm not trying to sound Sam. Like that would this. suck. I was really hoping you weren't going to say that. <laughs> Claudio, I, I don't want you to think that this is a dig at the Mets, but uh, I mean, if the Mets got Kyle Tucker and traded Noah Syndergaard to a team that is going against the Yankees for a World Series, I mean, that would be the biggest win of wins. I'm not a lot of people. I'm not a part of the club that is saying the Mets traded for Stroman is just to block him. No, the yeah, Yankees. that's stupid. Um, but but yeah, that'd be a big I'm, get. I mean. That would, that would suck. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I am not in that club, but it would definitely be in the back of their heads getting Kyle Tucker and, uh, you know, Syndergaard not or Syndergaard going to a fellow contender uh, who is likely going to meet the Yankees in the postseason. Uh, I, I think Syndergaard and Ramos go to Houston, and I think uh, the Mets get a package back involving Kyle Tucker. That would be, that'd be, a, big, that'd be a big Sammy Scoops here if that prediction comes true. Um, but yeah, but we'll see what, what happens. What are you going next- with, Steve? Um, I'm, I'm going to go... It's tough to say. I, I'm going to stick with what I said yesterday, with what I said last week here, and it's going to be Trevor Bauer to the Yankees. I think they get a deal done, and it might involve Garcia, and it's going to sting like shit. But if I got to be a bold prediction here for for late Monday night, is that's the deal? Is is Bauer becomes a Yankee and people freak the fuck out because he's going to be a travesty here? But then he's going to show up big time in the playoffs and everybody's going to forget that they hated him two weeks ago. <laughs> so we'll see that. So you got you got Thor going to the Astros and I got Bauer coming to New York. And then I say they meet in the ALCS and those are your two Game Seven starters or something like that. Like that. That's. That's what the that's what the deadline should be about, and that would be awesome for for baseball here. So let's see, let's make it happen. And if it does happen, you heard it here first on podcasting and pinstripes. Let's rock Bauer right now with Stroman going as my number one option, uh, especially with the year of team control next year. Uh, he pitches well in the postseason when he doesn't have the drone uh, in the locker room. So. I'm all about it. I know he's... Keep the drones away, yeah. It's going to be part of the Yankee way is make sure no drones are around. Yeah, I know he's got the concerns with the conspiracy theories and the, and the stuff with how he you know, treats some people, but I want results on the baseball field. I want a World Series. That's the way to do it. All right, let's get back to the, the baseball diamond here. The Yankees got two games coming up. Burst the Diamondbacks here, which will be interesting in case some of these players are moved at the deadline, uh, possibly to just walking over to the other clubhouse. Um, and then they got the – who do they got after the Diamondbacks? I lost my schedule. Red Sox for oh, four. Oh, yeah, back to the Red Sox. There we go. Yeah, back for four of the Red Sox. Yeah, so two versus the Diamondbacks with, you know, uh, day off Monday here and a day off on Thursday here. So the Yankees will be uh, fully rested for this four-game series versus the Red Sox, including a doubleheader on Saturday – um, Friday versus Sox is Paxton again for a little, hopefully, some redemption. And then Sunday, uh, Herman versus Price. No idea who's pitching Saturday for the Yankees. We could have two new players pitching um, on Saturday with a 1 o'clock and a 7 o'clock day. Uh, day-night doubleheader here in New York. 
Yankees still nine up on the Sox here, but if you play like you play again versus Boston here, it could be another two game swing and it still could be you know, seven games as we get into August. Um, it's time. We were hoped we put them away in Boston, but let's put them away in the Bronx here with the, with the, with a good uh, series versus Boston. I'm sure we'd all love that. And the Yankees have Tanaka and Hap starting the first two games against the Diamondbacks, but on Wednesday, they are scheduled to see Zach Granke. Uh, he's been another name that could be moved. He has a 15-team no-trade list. He the wants Yankees, no part of New York now. The Yankees are on that list. Now, I was talking with my buddy about this last night. Oh, he's got the anxiety you know, issues, but I was looking at his no-trade list, and there were big – there were big markets on the trade list. He, he, the Cubs or the White Sox are not on that. Even the Mets are not on his trade list. And I, I mentioned in big markets, um, uh, you know, the Chicago is a huge market. New York also is a huge market with the Mets and Yankees. He has the Yankees blocked, but not the Mets. Um, he's owed $35 million in 2020 and 2021. Maybe Brian Cashman sends Aaron Judge over to him, you know, talk about playing in New York. <laughs> and Judge a little, says a little tampering. Judge says, let's wanna wave your no trade clause here, let's win a freaking World Series. And if the Yankees were to take on enough money, maybe the the, the prospect return would definitely go down. I know we're moving into the baseball side of things again, but with the Yankees seeing Zach Ranke on Wednesday, I couldn't help but think that maybe if a team swoops in, uh, they won't be facing him. But I, I find that really unlikely with this 15-team no-trade and teams' uh, unwillingness to take a lot of money on. But he's been a stud this year for them. I mean, the 2.87 ERA, he's 10-4 on the bump. So It's maybe, an interesting thought. I, mean, yeah. I, I think Grinke 100% wants no part of playing in New York. Um, like you said, even, but not playing for New York, just playing for the Yankees. He has a very weird no-trade clause. Like the Orioles are on there. Um, so he just kind of picks and chooses places he doesn't want to go. And I wonder if they're – it's kind of a mix of of teams that are, are big markets and have kind of really annoying um, media. Like he's got the Yankees, the Red Sox. Uh, he's played for the Dodgers, but he's got the Dodgers on there. He's got the Phillies on there. And those are those are four markets where the media can be pretty brutal to you. Um, and he's got places where the long ball is, is popular. Obviously, it's still with the Yankees, you know, the Twins, the Rockies, and the Orioles. You're talking about big ballparks that could hurt his, you know, maybe Hall of Fame chances if his ERA blows up. Um, so I think this is a very particular list of teams that he just kind of half doesn't want to deal with the media, half doesn't want to hurt his numbers here. Uh, and Zach Rickey's a weirdo. And that's been known for years. And I just don't see him waving his no trade clause to any of these teams, um, no matter whether it gets him a ring or not. It would be an awesome scenario. Like you said, they, Wednesday in the Bronx, it's a one o'clock start. The trade deadline is what, four o'clock? Imagine Zach Greinke's throwing like a gem versus the Yankees through five innings. And they're like, ah, oh, fuck it. We got to take out Zach Greinke because we just trade him to the Yankees. And the Yankees get to the bullpen and then win the game. Like, give me some chaos and give me some anarchy in that. But um, I think the Yankees are going to see Greinke. He's going to pitch really well. He's been pitching well all year. Um, and it's just going to be one of those guys that just has no interest in being in the Bronx. And, and that's fine. That, that's what you know, this contract gives him that permission to do. Um, but he wouldn't be another guy that if he was available and he wants to actually come to the Yankees, you, you go, you go get Zach Greinke. I just haven't really thought about it much because I just don't see that being an option for him. Yeah. I don't see it being an option either. I was talking about 
either Yankees or maybe to another team, and the Yankees get out of seeing them on Wednesday, which would be yeah, a huge I'll take that win. As long as, as, as long as it doesn't go to the Astros, then it, then I'll, I'll I'll take the the loss on Wednesday and keep them in in uh in Arizona because they're, they're not doing any damage there. Um, but yeah, they got that two games in Arizona. It's a versus Arizona, and then four versus the Sox. Yankees need to come back and, and and perform better versus the Sox. I mean, it's a no question about that. Um, after after the fiasco that that happened this week, uh, huge weeks for the Sox though. I mean, they they played the the Rays, the Yankees. They play the Rays again, and then they play the Yankees again. Like, talk about a massive stretch here at the deadline for a team that is is hovering around what they should do. Um, they, they, it seems like they want to be buyers. I find it hard to believe that the, they have any type of prospects that are worth dealing to make them improve that much. But we'll see what happens there for for all around uh, the AL East because the Rays and the the Rays and the Red Sox are definitely in contention for a wild card spot here. But it seems like they're both playing. Um, and kind of wanting to deal as if they still have a shot at the AL East. So the Yankees got to keep their eyes on those two teams at the deadline too. Yeah, absolutely. And the Rays are kind of in – they're tinkering with their 40-man roster a little bit. They traded Hunter Wood, who's been one of their key relievers, out to Cleveland yesterday. Yeah. Uh, they cleared a 40-man spot. But, yeah, uh, Charlie Morton – uh, is not signing. going to be available. Yeah, great signing. They they it came out and said he's not going to be available. Uh, or John Morosi reported that last week. And unless the Red Sox are dealing Michael Chavis, I think they can be outbid by anybody in baseball Agreed. with the system that they have. They can yeah, literally be outbid by anybody. Uh, Rays have already made a move. They acquired Eric Sogard from the Toronto Blue Jays. Sogard, you know, hits above 300. He's a Yankees killer. I mean, we've seen him do damage to the Yankees for the last, you know, year now. And a bit of a late bloomer, really, in that super utility role with the with the Rays want down there. I mean, they had Ben Zobrist for a while. And I think Sogard's going to play that role for them. So a good move by the Rays getting Sogard from the uh, up north in Toronto. So... I think the Yankees are going to make the biggest move out of those three, though. Yeah, that, that, that's the idea here. That's what the Yankees should be doing here. Um, we know they're good at the bats. Um, so there, there's a trade deadline breakdown here. Honestly, I, anything could happen in these next 36 to 40 hours here. Um, it's been a weird market, kind of very similar to the free agent market um, prior to this season here of you don't know what's going to happen. Maybe it sounds like nothing could happen. Uh, just because prices are so high. So we'll see what happens. You know, follow Sam and myself uh, on, on Twitter for the next few days to be, you know, trying to see what's going on with the Yankees and, and see what the what possible scenarios are out there. But it's going to be a wild kind of 40 hours here. We'll see what happens here. Um, let's finish it off with the home run tracker. We said wild games in, in, in uh, Minnesota and some big dingers for the Red Sox. It has the Yankees at 177 home runs which puts them at a 273 home run pace. I mean, the Twins are on pace to hit over 300 home runs still. So while this tracker's fun and the Yankees are probably going to break their own record, I don't see they're, think they're going to be catching the Twins this season. So we're going to have to go into 2020 without the home run record after a, a one-year um, uh, on top here. Gary Sanchez still with the farthest home run, 481 feet. Uh, Shout-out to Austin Romine with a absolute dinger off Chris Sale. 446 feet. Longest if hit. He needed more proof that the ball was juiced. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he just absolutely smashed the changeup. Longest home run of his career by far. Um, as Sam mentioned, Edwin Encarnacion 
with 30 home runs now on the season. Obviously not all with the Yankees. Gary Sanchez with 24 home runs uh, on the year. Sam, we with all the trade talk, we didn't even get to say that uh, we've Gardner on the DL, CC on the DL, and, and Gary on the DL. So uh, the, the old uh, injury report is back, and, and three guys are on the DL here. Um, I want to make a quick note about Gary Sanchez that kind of ties into Edwin is that since the trade of Edwin Encarnacion, it kind of limits the DH spot a little bit to either Voight or or Edwin. Um, and that kind of hurts Gary Sanchez because he would get one or two starts uh, depending on the week at DH and get the Romine start. I wonder if that wear and tear of missing that one or two games at DH um, kind of led to this injury. I know he turned his ankle um, in, in Minnesota here, but he was really struggling before that. And we talked about his struggles last week. But maybe this this stint here refreshes him and gives gives him back those days off because he was playing every single day and it was every single day behind the plate compared to DH. Yeah, and Joe Girardi was on MLB Network on Tuesday night just saying that Sanchez is going to be fine. It's just that those slumps for catchers are prolonged because they have so much wear and tear behind the plate. And really, I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised to see them give him a longer rest here. You know, if, if we don't see him, though, maybe in the middle of August, maybe towards the end of August. But again, they need Gary back, and the, the Yankees are one of the World Series without you know an elite Gary Sanchez and his defense behind the plate. I mean, how he guns runners out of, from his knees. I already miss watching that. And uh, best wishes to Gary. I hope he gets back pretty quickly. But I think Joe Girardi made a really good point there about how the catcher slumps are prolonged because of the wear and tear they take behind the plate. And when they got Edwin, the, the roster w- was definitely crowded. Excuse me, but I, I hope Aaron Boone finds him a way. Even if Gary is off two days a week, off, off, uh, if yeah, they keep, save him. Keep him healthy. Yeah, keep him healthy and keep him fresh so we can see that elite production. And Romine does show up. When he comes back and Romine's fully healthy, he does put up a big game or two. It's just a prolonged two to three weeks of constant Austin Romine becomes an issue with the runners on base, and eventually his average comes back to comes back to earth here. But nice to see him hit a big bomb uh, with the longest home run uh, of his career and of, of this week in the home run tracker. So be sure to keep paying attention there at hashtag NYYHRTracker. All right, Sam, we are, we're over an hour already, longer than we usually go here for the pre-deadline uh, episode here. So, so take us out with the final rundown of, I think we both agree, let's get Bauer here. It seems like it's a possibility as of Monday night. Um, and then let's what? We got four games versus Sox and, and two versus uh, Arizona. Let's get the, the big trade. And then what are we going for? A good four and two or you want five and one this week? I, I want five and one. I want both games against the Diamondbacks. I'd love to sweep the Red Sox. I think they get one now. I want a five and one week, four and two. I won't complain if they get the three or four against the Red Sox. But what I want more than anything is Trevor Bauer and Shane Green uh, in pinstripes by the next time we record. Maybe another starter too. I, I think they're going to add two starters. All right, let's do it. You heard it there first. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody, for this episode of podcast in pinstripes. Happy trade deadline day or couple days here. Look for a bunch of stuff to happen Tuesday as you're listening to this. So make sure you got Twitter up and refreshed. Put the put the notifications on for Sam and me so we get the, the live tweets of any deals that happen. And we'll, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, Sam, see you later, bud. Toodles. Toodles.